0: the action network podcast named best betting podcast or radio show by the fantasy sports and gaming association and the number one show for the invested
1: sports fan
0: What's up, Degenerate Nation? Welcome to the Action Network Podcast. This is the Week 14 College Football Preview. I'm stuck in with me, as always, is Colin Wilson. I gotta say, I wasn't... Look, a lot of my times was catching up on college hoops, trying to get all my power ratings adjusted. It's taken up a lot of my time in NFL. And I knew that this weekend was just meh. And I wasn't that excited about it. But then we added Coastal BYU. And that just adds the flavor
2: that I think was missing from this Saturday. What's going on, Colin? I'm doing great. That was like waking up to that news this morning was excellent. Because you're right. The The slate is a little well, – Because you had a Liberty ticket, too. That I had a Liberty do, t- but... I mean, This is Christmas, right? I mean, here we are the first week of December. I took Liberty. I've talked about this Liberty spot forever. Malik Wills comes down with COVID-19. Uh, apparently enough of the team that where they have to cancel this game. Uh, the line moved, you know, all the way up north of 12. And if you were sitting around with the Liberty ticket, I tweeted this out. It's like, I'm not going to put myself in trouble to where there's a whole bunch of other key numbers and take the coastal side. I think that's the worst thing that you could do. So the best advice is to swallow the ticket. And for that game to be canceled, I mean, COVID giveth and COVID taketh.
0: College football is getting weird. Yep, it's one of those things. Last week, I was uh, – unfortunately, the NFL doesn't cancel games, so I was <laughs> sitting I was sitting on Sunday with a, a Broncos plus six ticket, which uh, had life for about 14 seconds. Yeah, in college, it's uh, an NFL. College, you at least have the, the chance that it might get canceled. The NFL, they're going to find a way to play the game. All right, well, we have a lot to get to, including the marquee game of the weekend, Bowling Green-Akron. Yes. Unfortunately – I couldn't put that in marquee games of the week, but we will spend some time on it. Uh, We do have three marquee games of the weekend that we will get into now, and then many others. And then we'll close up shop with some Friday Night Lights. I think we only have one game remaining on Friday. Boise UNLV was canceled, but it's a pretty good one. We'll get to that. Uh, We'll get to our favorite overdogs and our favorite underdog Moneyline Parlay. It's another fabulous weekend of college football. Let's check out the marquee matchups we'll all end up betting. You know, I mean, we might as well start with Coastal Carolina since we were just talking about them. Roll fucking shots, baby. Okay, at BetMGM, the official odds provider of the Action Network podcast, BYU is a 10-point favorite at Coastal Carolina. Over under 61. As Colin alluded to, this is supposed to be Coastal Liberty. BYU is searching for just any opponent to boost its resume once it came out at number 15, I think, overall in the initial college football playoff ratings. And uh, they figured out a way uh, to make this happen. And if you look at BYU... BYU's schedule is like, I think, 110th, 115th. I have it somewhere. It's outside the top 100. They haven't really played anybody. I don't see any way – I mean, what, BYU blows out Coastal by 100? I mean, does it, it's still Coastal Carolina. It's not like Coastal Carolina who's in the top 10 of the college football club. I don't think it moves a needle for BYU. I think it's a cool game for all of us to bet on and watch this weekend. But the main points of conversation before we get into this game, and I want to get your thoughts because I know you have a piece on the college football playoff is you think Alabama should get there, barring a loss to LSU, which we'll get to that game, which I can't envision in a million years. Florida controls its own destiny. Florida wins out, beats Alabama. They're in. Clemson controls its own destiny. But if they lose to Notre Dame, the AFC Championship, they're out. Notre Dame is in. But let's just say, because they'll be a favorite, Clemson wins out. They're in. Bama's in. And we'll say Bama beats Florida. Does Texas A&M, what do they have to do? You have Cincinnati out there. You know, then you have Notre Dame, which will just have that one loss. It'll be a recent loss, but it'll just be to Clemson. I still think Notre Dame would get in. Oh, and then you have Ohio State. And now, Bodog Jim, he's finally in the conversation of the college plow.
1: Don't gamble. Don't associate with gamblers. Avoid it like the, the plague.
2: Let's check in with Bodog Jim.
0: Going off, Gym for the first time could impact the college football playoff. We call it Khaki's last stand. Michigan's not playing this weekend. If they cancel next week, Ohio State's not eligible for the Big Ten Championship. I, will the Big Ten just be like, sorry, we're changing the rules and put Ohio
2: State in? I don't know. So what are your thoughts on this mess before we get to Coastal BYU? If they're going to change the rules and say, I don't know, you can get in Ohio State, are they going to change the rules and say, okay, Wisconsin, we're going to let you in too so we have the most high-profile matchup, uh, even though you know Northwestern has that head-to-head victory over Wisconsin, I, I, there's not enough data points, and there's no good answers here. I don't want to make you know any Buckeye fans mad, but there's there's not enough data points here for me to say that you absolutely belong into the College World Playoff, and you should just get a pass. I would like to see Ohio State play Wisconsin. I would like Ohio State to play Michigan. Uh, you know, if they're not going to get that luxury, then I don't think you should be afforded a pass into a semifinal when there's so many other data points on so many other quality teams. I don't include Texas A&M in there. And really, I'm kind of talking about Cincinnati. I mean, I I think I would love it in a perfect scenario. BYU would win this game against Coastal. They would schedule something on the night. AAC would make this Tulsa game on the 12th championship. BYU would schedule Cincinnati. Listen, it's just – Ohio State's not going to have enough data points. Nobody can honestly say to put them in. And you and I, we have questions about Ohio State's defense. I think – a team like Florida and Alabama would absolutely run them out of the building, but we need them to face somebody else to prove that point. Like we need more data points to prove that. And now this weekend, I know we're going to handicap it, but there's so much COVID going on with the team. Ryan Day's not going to be there. There's rumors Justin Fields isn't going to play. There's rumors the secondaries all filled with COVID. I think Ohio state, if they don't make the playoff, be more upset with a pandemic. Don't be upset with the committee. And don't be upset with us when, when we say we don't think that you're – We just I just don't have enough data to really gauge. And If this was a normal year, I would say that Ohio State would have enough wins. They should be in, and they're probably going to get smoked. I would rather see a Cincinnati – undefeated Cincinnati team that has played double-digit games or a BYU team. And I don't think BYU's strength of schedule is anything, but they've been shut out by the Power Five. Like, they all canceled games against them. They've done everything in their power now. You can't – you know, you get Coastal. You better believe it's going to be a December 19th game, and they're going to try to get anybody they can. Uh, I would rather take an undefeated team that has double-digit data points into the playoff than bypass – you know, take somebody that's 5-0 and o and is going on brand name alone. I, I don't think that's fair. But then again, there's no correct answers here. The thing with
0: Ohio State is we knew their offense was going to be elite. And we knew, or we assumed, that their defense was going to struggle. You know, they had to replace three NFL defensive backs, and then you lose Chase Young, you know, a generational pass rusher. Well, Ohio State potentially still could have won the national title in a normal year. What would have to happen, their defense would have to be a lot better. How does that happen? You play 10 to 12 games, and you start to get better, and you get reps, and, you know, you have coaching, and, they they're just they're not getting any of that. So not only do they not have a uh, a significant sample size, they're not getting the necessary reps and game experience to get to improve from a defensive standpoint.
2: Think about LSU last year. Remember, I mean Vanderbilt yeah. put up thirty, and what happened was, is LSU as a team, you came and listened to our podcast, and we said, hey, if if you are going to keep missing tackles and miss assignments and take bad angles, and Dave Miranda is going to get a chew his ass shoot out from Coach O. They fixed all that the last three or four games, and they went on to have just a historic college football playoff. And I don't think it's fair to like for us to say like, well, at this point, Ohio State is not good enough, but they definitely deserve six to seven games to get better, like LSU did last year. And by the way, if Coastal beats BYU, Coastal is – I think
0: Coastal would have a better argument than if BYU won because yeah. Coastal has more bona fide wins. And I don't think that Costa's getting into the Cardiff playoff. But go chance, Triple C Dynasty, baby. Uh, we'll get to that game in a second. But the, the qu- last question I have for you, if yeah. you became the one-man committee, they said, Colin Wilson, you are the committee, and my scenario played out. Bama beats Florida. Mm-hmm. Bama wins out and beats Florida, knocking Florida out. Texas A&M wins out. Clemson beats Notre Dame. And Ohio State plays one more game – and then wins the Big Ten championship. I assume you're taking Clemson and Notre Dame, like I would, and Alabama, obviously. And who would you take for your
2: fourth team? Would you yeah, take Cincy? It's funny because Notre Dame becomes questionable because, you know, like I said, Skowski didn't play. Trevor Lawrence didn't play. It was a different different team, and it was, in, it was at Notre Dame. Uh, so, yeah, I would definitely take the top three. Like we mentioned, Notre Dame. I would take Clemson. I would take Alabama. I'd slip Cincinnati. It's not going to happen. I wish it would happen. But Florida, you're out. You lost. Texas A&M, you've – I mean, Texas A&M, I've published too much hate on Texas A&M, but they deserve it. Hey, don't just – be support, you know what I'm saying? There's no reason to be nasty. I just saw the chairman of the committee come on Tuesday night and say, well, we believe Ohio State believes should be in the top four because they have explosive offense. That's not Texas A&M. But you know what? Desmond Ritter and Cincinnati is. And if there's not enough data points on Ohio State – I would put if I was in charge of everything. I would put Cincinnati in at number four.
0: Yeah, I would like to Cincinnati's defense. Maybe gets a couple stops against Bama. I cool. would like to see I mean, BYU's not getting any stops. I just would want to see Marcus Freeman what he can cook up, and that defense is really good. There's NFL talent. It's an NFL filled defense, so it's not like they can't compete. I don't know if yeah, I don't think the offense would be able to keep up, but. uh yeah, I would like to see that. Um, you know what's get, get some new blood in there.
2: Yeah, and what's interesting is people be like, oh, the points were to be too high. The game would be boring between Alabama and Cincinnati. Lest I remind you all that Washington went into the college football playoff with a 17-point spread against Alabama, 16.5, 17-point spread against Alabama, and couldn't cover. So we've had big, huge spreads. Think of Michigan State also. We've had semifinal games that we knew were absolutely not going to be close but that's not a deterrent from putting Cincinnati in right now. I make it an 18 and a half point game against Alabama. So, you know, I, I would love to watch that game. And, and I don't think that should be the reason why you keep Cincinnati out. We've had teams get in that we knew we going to get smoked. Yeah. I mean, Bama, Florida, that's the championship game will probably be double digits. All right. So
0: let's get to this game. Ta-da! Coastal Carolina, BYU, BYU is a 10 point favorite at bed. MGM. Over under 61. One of the things that I've been trying to monitor here is the wind. Because I think if there's heavy, heavy winds, it would significantly favor Coastal Carolina because it would hurt BYU's passing attack a little more. But it looks like they're going to die down around 5 or 6, and it's like to 5, 10 miles an hour, which is meaningless. But earlier in the day, it's like 15 to 20 miles an hour, 30 to 40 mile an hour wind gusts which you always want to check too, because it's not just about the wind. It's about the gusts as we always talk about. So uh, it's not out of the realm of possibilities that the forecast of now could be three, four hours off, but the game time of 5:30 Eastern doesn't look like as of now, that'll be an issue. Break this game
2: down for us. I know the wind was a factor. I, I was, uh, I, I was, you know, taking notes on this earlier, wrote the piece this morning and, And I can't deny what Coastal's done this year. They've been fantastic in third downs on both sides of the ball. Uh, They are the best in the nation on offense and average distance to go on third down at 5.5 yards. Uh, And then defensively, they're like, you know, within the top 10 as far as average distance to go from their defense. Uh, BYU's defense averages around 7.1 yards to go on defense. So a huge aspect of this game is Grayson McCall and how they do on first and second down and where their positioning is. On third down, because Coastal has been magical, uh, so it's a huge handicap there. I think Coastal is going to find a little bit of success in the passing game on BYU, uh, but you know they're a run-first team. So when you mentioned all the wind and everything, I went and looked at the run ratios here. And Coastal, on offensive perspective, they run 64% of the time. So I mean, they really leave the passing in passing downs. Does that change? You know what BYU, who they're fourth and defensive rushing success rate. I mean, BYU is a stout defense against the run, so does Coastal go against their 64% run ratio and decide to lean on Grayson McCall on first and second down? Definitely something to watch for. The other side of the ball, I'm not sure Coastal's defense can stop BYU, especially on the ground. Coastal had major issues defending the rush and posting a positive success rate in standard downs against Louisiana and App State. They beat Louisiana by three, and App State was covering the entire time. We all know what happened with the pick six there. Louisiana carried the ball for 30 times and averaged 7.9 yards on the ground. App State posted a success rate of 60% in standard downs. So what that means, what that translates to, is BYU runs the ball on first and second down. You may get some explosive plays. And that's Tyler Algier. I mean, we're, I've seen him bust 80-yard runs up and down against everybody. Coastal is 93rd in defensive rushing explosiveness. And I've talked about this over and over. Just wait until a team that can bust huge runs gets a hold of Coastal's defense. I love the Black Swarm defense. They've got it, you know, everywhere else that Coastal needs it. You know, when it comes to pass coverage, when it comes to sack rate, when it comes to defending pass explosiveness, Coastal's 15th in the country. But in this one, it's about the ground attack. And that's where I think Coastal's defense is going to have a lot of problems. Zach Wilson, you know, he's posting Heisman numbers. I don't think he gets enough credit for what he's done. Uh, He's right there with Kyle Trask and Mac Jones uh, when it comes to pressure attempts, when it comes to play action passing. He's got a better NFL rating than these guys. Uh, You know, Coastal gets pressure on quarterbacks with the Black Swarm D, like I said. So I think Zach Wilson's going to have a normal day. I think it's going to be... BYU on the ground for explosive plays. Trust me, you're making this trip. Your equipment manager's driving 33 hours in the truck to bring all this stuff there. BYU is coming with an agenda and a chip on their shoulder. And let's not forget, there's a major special teams advantage here. BYU is seventh in the country. I think this is all BYU. Now, the market right now is you and I are recording. Not sure what's going to happen on Friday. It's a game that I make nine and a half. 10 everywhere, 10 at uh, at Bet MGM. I think this is something, a, a place where people are going to stare at Coastal. And we've, I've said this week after week, the Sharps love Coastal. The public loves Coastal. Everybody loves Coastal. I think people are going to see Coastal double digits and take a little piece of that. And I'm going to sit back and look for a play in on the Cougars. If I can get nine and a half, I can get nine and a half. But I want BYU here. I mean, the ground game is going to Destroy the Black Swarm defense. At least they should. And they're not coming out there just for as a, a day trip, just for a vacation, play some golf. They're coming out there with a purpose. For the Triple C Dynasty people out there, I'm just lower on
0: the market than on BYU than everyone else. I made this six with wind, thinking there's gonna be wind, so I, I had to adjust this to like seven. And I've been burned by BYU a couple times, so I'd be I'm maybe I'm just wrong. I, I think I might be coming in here on, on the Triple C Dynasty and the chance. We will have a write-up for this game. What, what do you think that – like, do you think that there's any advantage to Coastal Carolina playing at home, not having to travel, with this game not being, you know, scheduled for a full week or anything? Is there anything there?
2: Yeah, but is it negated by the fact that there's been a game plan in for Malik Willis, right? They've been working on zone read. They've been working on what Liberty does which the Hugh Freeze playbook versus a Jeff Grimes offensive coordinator for BYU, these are not two of the same playbooks. So whatever, you know, we have on the surf and turf field, whatever advantages we have from being at home, which I think it's great that they don't have to travel. Usually Coastal Carolina Sunbelt team is the team that has to go everywhere. Uh, But at the same time, BYU, they travel well and they always have. And uh, it's a professional road trip every time they go somewhere. I think there is an advantage for Coastal to be home, but at the same time, they've been preparing for a completely different offense.
0: Look, Zach Wilson has been great, and you can just even—he's like, playing bad competition, but just look at his numbers. Watch him; just pass the eye test. I mean, he's a pro potential for days. The reason's going to be a first rounder, but the, the biggest improvement to me, besides his play, has been the offensive line. I mean, the offensive line last year was a liability, and now yeah. it's been really strong, um, and that ultimately could be the difference.
2: Yeah, I agree with you. And the total now, as we're watching this, is starting to tick up, tick down a little bit in the 60s. I think once the win, the word of the win, maybe it dies down, but it's interesting to note that I think if BYU is going to win this game, and they may know this, is that they're going to have to run the ball. And, you know, Coastal already runs the ball 64%. Now, I do project this game to be at 65, uh, but it's worth noting both these teams are top 30 in defensive finishing drive. So, Uh, it should be interesting and if there's wind involved whatsoever, you know, we don't know how that's going to deal with the kicking game, but, uh, you know, Coastal is 118th in seconds per play. They're not fast. They're just extremely successful on third down on both sides of the ball. BYU's 92nd and Temple. Uh, there's not going to be any racing up to the line of scrimmage here. So I think the total is set just about right. Uh, should be interesting to see what, if there's any reaction to the wind or, or what happens here with the total. And by the way, light up the voicemail. Triple C dynasty. We don't really get many BYU callers.
0: Uh, I mean, maybe because a lot of our callers are calling in a little intoxicated, and there's not many, there's not much drinking going on in Salt Lake City. So I think that from a drunk fan ratio perspective, BYU is probably on the lower end. So we don't have as many opportunities to get the calls from BYU fans. But I know you're out there. I interact with some of you on on Twitter. Give us give us a call after this game. I know the Triple C dynasty peeps will be calling in from. Canada, and the U.S., all over the place. Ta-da! All right, the second marquee game of the day. We're going to go to – we'll venture over to the Power Five. We'll go to the SEC. Let's talk a little – got to talk about our friend, Bo Nick season. Bo Nick season
1: in full effect.
0: Auburn. At BetMGM right now, Auburn is a tick down, six and a half point underdog at BetMGM MGM over under 48 and a half. They're hosting the Aggies Texas A&M. are number five overall in the college football playoff. Texas A&M comes in at six and one overall. The one thing that I always will note about Kellen Mond, just his entire career is his performance on the road has just never been what it is at home. The same, you can say the same thing about Bo Nix in his young career. And that Auburn offense has looked much better at home this year. So that's something to note. I made this line around four-ish. So I grabbed seven as soon as I saw it with Auburn. There are, are some concerning things with Auburn. Specifically, their third down defense really scares me. So basically, they can't stop the run. Teams are just running it on first and second down and, and easily getting four, four to five yards. And they're just having really easy third downs. Last year, Auburn's defense, which had a ton of NFL talent, they were their third down conversion rate allowed was 30%. This year, they're over 50. So it's been a major problem. And Texas A&M, really good offensive line, really good running back uh, in Spiller, and it's an efficient offense and top five overall in third downs. So in third down conversion rate. So that does scare me a bit. Is like can Auburn get off the field? We do know that Texas A&M is a snail, which helps oh. here. Yeah, and their run defense. Texas A&M's run defense has been really good, but I think that they're vulnerable in the secondary, which I think Auburn and, and Bo Nix has been improving can take advantage of. I simply think this line is too high. Uh, so I sided with the home dog here, War Eagle. Uh, and I think I saw a play from you come across in the app, so you agree here?
2: I do agree. I I did play Auburn at seven. You power rated at four at the open, and I power rated at seven, which is where it settled. But now it's it's come down to six and a half at at MGM. And the thing I just can't get out of my head is like Texas A and M covering a seven point spread is like taking a Big Twelve team to cover like multiple touchdowns. Like it, I mean it's going to be a struggle for Texas A&M the way that they're playing these days, especially offensively. I, I know conditions were sloppy, but there is no explosiveness out of this team whatsoever. The ability to dig themselves out of a hole just isn't there. And I'm, I'm holding a 30 to one ticket from the, you know, from the right after the college football playoff when LSU and Clemson concluded, I went up to the window and said, Hey, Texas A&M returns everybody 30 to one. I think they can make the playoffs. So, I mean, I'm financially, uh, invested in this team for a hundred bucks, but ugh, ugh, they, they look so bad, especially against LSU letting that backdoor cover. So I project this game at seven and I just don't have any trust in Texas A&M whatsoever, especially covering a full touchdown. This is a team that beat Vanderbilt to start the season by five and we shrugged it off. We said, Hey, first game jitters, vanilla playbook. They didn't want to show anything. No, well, maybe it's just the fact that they can't score that many points. You know, So, I mean, there's major advantages in this game for Texas A&M from an offensive success rate in both the rush and the pass. But like I said, there's no explosiveness whatsoever. So don't expect three plays on a box score over 20 yards from this team because they just haven't been posting it lately. Auburn, interesting enough, they're 13-2 and two straight up in the last 15 in Jordan-Hare. Uh, It's not an easy place to win for visitors. I know there's no fans. I know there's no, none of the co-eds will be jumping into into the bushes and things like that. But Gus has won four out of five in this series. So whatever's going on between him and Jimbo, there's usually been a pretty good game plan. I think from a perspective of they just played the Iron Bowl, there's been this thing with Gus Malzahn where it's like when he hasn't been in college football playoff hunt, he's had to go to say like the Music City Bowl or he's had to go to other bowls. It's him projecting what's going to happen the next year, and he counts it as a new season. He counts it as the start of the next season. So I'm wondering with the Iron Bowl loss, if Gus kind of has the whole take with the team. It's like this is how we start next season, you know, our national championship run when, when Georgia and Alabama has to come to our house. Gus in the Monday presser, you know, Tank Bigsby, Bredarius Ham, similar to last week is what he said. Uh, Tank went for 11 rushes and 39 yards, uh, big reason why Auburn didn't get the cover, and Seth Williams dropping balls. Uh, Texas A&M defensively, they're they're more of a run-stop unit. So, I mean, really, if you're going to back Auburn, this game comes down to Bo Nix. Bo Nix season in full effect. You know, someone needs to file a missing person report on Seth Williams' game last week. Nine targets, three catches, uh, a drop that would have easily been a touchdown, would have gotten Auburn to cover. Texas A&M, they have a better sack rate than Alabama, but the coverage is nowhere close To what Alabama, Alabama's top 10 in the nation in pass coverage. Texas A&M, they're hanging around 57th-ish. So it's a huge, huge difference for Auburn, especially for Bo Nix, who can take advantage of these linebackers that were built to stop the run and not stop the pass. If Seth Williams, we can find his game. Uh, You know, Anthony Schwartz is still there. Uh, You know, he's doing just fine catching passes, not dropping anything. Auburn's going to cover this game because of Texas A&M's rank and pass coverage, uh, versus Bama, who's top 10. Um, you know, if if Texas A&M, you know, doesn't bite on play action, it could be a long day, but I mean, there's no, if Tank Bigsby isn't there, it's going to make it harder on Bo Nix, but still, like I said, Seth Williams needs to return and that seven is a lot for Texas A&M to cover. I do like Auburn here. Possible chance of upset. It's not an easy place for Texas A&M to play and Gus has Jimbo's number. Auburn's defensive line and
0: some of these stats, yeah. they're with like 117th in stuff rate, 121st in power success rate. But it, it was interesting to me to see that because, you know, Spiller has been running the ball well and the offense has been, from a success rate perspective, as you said, has been really good. But Texas A&M's offensive line, which is a senior-laden group, it's, they're 108th in stuff rate. 86th in line yards. Now, they're top 10. you You're not. They're not giving up any sacks, and it's more of a quick passing uh, offensive attack. But maybe Auburn can finally get some stops here. But I expect some long drives by Texas A&M. They'll probably have the ball a ton. Auburn just has to stand up in the red zone. And I think Auburn's going to be able to hit some explosive plays in the passing game. They're probably going to have a couple trick plays here. I think Auburn keeps this close right until the end. Let's move on to our third marquee game of the day. And we got to talk Alabama at LSU. This is going to be on. There's no question about that. <laughs> I think this might be the funniest spread I've ever seen in my life. The defending national champions are at home against their rival, catching 29 and a half points over under 66 and a half points. I really want to hit this under. I might soon. It's gross, but I think Al- I think Alabama wants to run it up. Look, they got embarrassed last year, and they gave up all those points. Their defense is playing really well. They've answered a lot of the questions that I had earlier in the year. This is clearly the best team in the nation. They've – I mean, just look at their past couple games. Uh, and LSU is a freshman quarterback. Their offense is nowhere close to as explosive as, as Auburn. And Auburn had 13 points. Kentucky had three points. Mississippi State had zero points. Uh, so, I mean, you're talking 16 points total Alabama has given up in the past three games combined against SEC opponents. And this is an LSU offense that scored seven against A&M at the last second. They scored 11 against Auburn. I mean, this, this offense isn't really playing that well. And you have tons of Louisiana guys on the Alabama defense, so I think you're just going to want shut, to shut them out here. And I think that LSU's defense has actually improved a bit. Bo Pelini's season in full effect. A lot of it was they played like one game over five weeks. So they were able to practice some things, simplify some things. They made some changes at linebacker. They got a little healthier. But they had seven tackles for loss against Texas A&M. But the defense is like more simplified – they lost a ton of tout so i mean i think lsu's probably gonna go really conservative on offense to try to keep the ball out of bama's hands i think the defense has improved a bit so i mean this feels like it's like bama wants to put up 50 here but i don't i'm not sure that lsu can get to over two touchdowns
2: we're coming any questions Boy, there's so much to there's so much to get into here. Like, yeah, I mean, I agree with everything you said, and, and we'll get to the how we should play this as far as the totals are concerned because that's really kind of where I was centering in. There has been improvement out of LSU. They came together, won that Arkansas game, and uh, the defense has shown m- big improvement, especially in missed tackles. Only five missed tackles against Texas A&M, and that is lowest they've had in a really long time. So, I think the question is. Is that because there's a sloppy track? Is that because, you know, explosive plays were limited? Or is it actually improvement on the defense? And that, you know, is all in the Texas A&M game. Uh, both teams were struggling in, in some pretty sloppy conditions. I think the interesting news that came out of this week, you know, Coach O had to start off hearing that Terrace Marshall opted out. And you have to wonder, like, why at this point in the season would a guy who was like the best red zone target for Joe Burrow last year, why would he all of a sudden decide that he's going to opt out of the season right now at this point. And if you do some reading on LSU, Terrace Marshall was the reason they beat Arkansas because he had a players-only meeting. He conducted the players-only meeting, brought everybody together, got them all on the same page. And now a couple of weeks later, we've opted out. And a part of me wonders, like, if I had to speculate, I don't know anything about this, even though there's, you know, DMs flying in my Twitter. But if you would opt out right now, is it because you don't feel safe? I mean, you just played in a, a game with completely sloppy, terrible conditions with a quarterback in T.J. Finley that is not as accurate as Joe Burrow. Let's just be nice about it. Joe Burrow's a dog, man. He ain't no puppy. He's a f-ing dog. He's not as accurate as Joe Burrow, can hang you out to dry, and when you're about eight yards away, he likes to throw a 100-mile-an-hour fastball. Is it safety reasons why Marshall decided to opt out right now? Uh, I think, you know, there's a lot of that going on. And, and, I mean, going from Joe Burrow to T.J. Finley is like going from Aaron Rodgers to Jordan Love in the accuracy department, uh, if you're a Packers fan. LSU scored seven
0: points last week. Marshall, who they're not going to have, just another reason for the under. He had 10 catches for 134 yards and the only touchdown. You're removing him from the offense.
2: That's a monster loss for them. Uh, And Who's T.J. Finley going to turn to now? And the Max Johnson, I mean, Coach O said that Max Johnson came in to get some playing time because he's a more – mobile quarterback in sloppy conditions. And so I would expect TJ Finley is still playing. Uh, but, you know. Finley went 9-25 for 100 yards and two picks against a and M. I I got news for you. The Bama defense is better. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And and I, and I have to look at the defense, and we say that the defense is getting better. But Felipe Franks and Bo Nix still generated nine passes over 20 yards before they played A&M, and it, it was bad condition. So I don't know how much stock to put into this game. Now Saban's returning to the sideline. Let's turn our attention to Alabama here. Saban is returning to the sideline, and he said early this week, "I don't, you know, I don't get up for rivalry games. It doesn't motivate me anymore. But maybe it's for the kids. The kids get really motivated." And I'm gonna tell you what: if I had a barometer up your ass to say whether you were giving effort or not, it was about fifty percent. Why did you push yourself? Bullshit, Nick Saban. Uh, you <laughs> you want to embarrass LSU? I guarantee they, they came to your house. And, you know, Tua was gone, Mac Jones was starting, and you lost in your house uh, against one of the team, uh, an LSU, a legendary LSU season, and I guarantee you that all you want to do is stomp them and rub it in their face. And if you don't feel that way, I'm sure the players can feel it uh, emoting off of you, and they will respond. I think he has two goals in this game. A, shut out the LSU offense. You all may be taking the week off right, this week, but I'm not because you're assuming that the other team is not very good? B, get Mac Jones five touchdowns. Because I, I don't know what is the SEC's problem. They're dragging their feet on this. I haven't heard anything about this. Why in the hell would Alabama go and play Arkansas next week? Why, why would they travel up to Fayetteville when the, when the ACC has told Notre Dame and Clemson, your season's good, you don't need to play on the 12th, why would the SEC make Florida and Alabama play next week? So this potentially, for Saban, could be the last regular season game And for Mac Jones, as far as the Heisman race is concerned. By the way, I love Mac Jones for the Heisman. So, you know, LSU is 115th in defensive. It should win the Heisman. I'll never give it to him. (laughs) LSU is 115th in defensive passing expected points. That's basically explosiveness. Uh, LSU is in deep, deep trouble when it comes to Mac Jones. Uh, Mac Jones has just been a magician inside the pocket. You know, we said this in our summer podcast I said I love Mac Jones because his numbers do not change under pressure. LSU's not going to be able to apply any pressure. You know, their sack rate is 50th. I would expect Mac Jones to have about 250 yards by halftime. You know, I just don't think the whole thing is, is like, you know, Saban's back on the sideline. They're pissed off. They want revenge. They might not play against Arkansas next week. Uh, they want to keep a hold on their number one seeding for the college football playoff. I think there's only one play here stuck. And, I, I listen, I'm worried about the total. Like, when you say I want to go under 67, I agree with you. I agree with you because I don't think LSU is going to get their points. But what happens if Bama decides to hang 67 or 64 and there's a field goal, like, somewhere in there? So, to me, the play is Bama first half, Bama team total over, but the best play, I think, is LSU team total under.
1: Why
0: did you push yourself? Yeah, I'm going to have to add some LSU team total Because the, the best part about that is – I'm very confident. Like when you play a, you know, lower, smaller team totals, and what is LC's team total at? Uh, and it should be, but it should be about 16 and a half. Yeah. Six, if this comes down, it might get to like 14 and a half. I think right. you'll get over two touchdowns. But when you play a team total of like seven or seven and a half sometimes, one of the worries that you have, like what I did that against UMass, right? And then they got the safety. And then I have to worry about like, who gives a fuck? The team other teams up fifty and then their backups are in and they don't care about them going down the field against prevent and then you get a bullshit touchdown. Right. Well, obviously this is now fourteen and a half, not seven, but if LSU is at like 10 or 13, I'm confident that Alabama is still not going to want them to score. I think if they're up forty, nothing, they're gonna not they're gonna want to keep the shutout. And when I say LSU's defense is better, I'm not saying that they're gonna stop. Alabama's offense uh, Alabama's offense is going to get theirs no matter what what I mean by that is I don't think LSU is going to score maybe LSU's de- an improved defense you get a couple red zone stops you force a, a punt or two and, and then there's no shot Alabama's getting to 60 and, and then LSU does have the, one of the best corners in college football who's now healthy that's helped their defense so right. that'll help a bit you know I mean he gets he gets a pick he gets a a couple pass breakups and then you get a punt so yeah, this one could get ugly. But when it does, I'm confident that Bama is going to be like blitzing. If if it's all to like third and goal at the three, they're they're going to have all their starters in blitzing, and Saban will go blow a gasket if they blow if they blow a shutout at the yeah. end. Like it's going to be one of those games.
2: And I'm going to tell you what. Why did you push yourself? You you saw Todd Grantham get his ass chewed out by Dan Mullen for giving up a Kentucky drive, a 14 play Kentucky drive, and and points going up on the board. Wait till. Wait till Pete Golding, defensive coordinator for Alabama, gives up a touchdown to T.J. Finley. Uh, I expect a Saban headset to be thrown. I'd put props on that. Just Saban throwing, Saban cussing, I'd put all kinds of props on that.
1: You know, you get excited about getting married. All right? But after you're married for a while,
2: you know, you got to have a process to make it work.
0: Yeah, that is our 8 o'clock game. So I'll be yeah, – I didn't yeah. even think of that LSU team total under. That's, that's a hit for sure. All right, let's move on to the best of the rest. We're going to hit every conference here. We'll start in the ACC. Uh, this is a team I, I I can't figure out in Virginia Tech. Uh, Virginia Tech, what a disappointing season, plus 22 at home against clubs over-under 66-and-a-half. The last time we saw Va Tech, by the way, they do do have a bye before this game. They, had a week off. they lost 47-14 to 14 to Pitt, and if you didn't watch that game, they co they quit in the second half. There was zero effort level. They had no energy, nothing. So my one concern here is because uh, I think this line's too high. Even though I, but I don't know who. who I can't figure out tech. They can run the ball really well. I know that. Uh, I never know who's playing on their defense. Um, their defense is so bad. But Clemson's. They can't get their run offense going for whatever reason. But if Clemson, here's my one concern: of this. Because just from a value perspective, I, I like Vatek over three touchdowns. Um, and I do think Clemson has some potential issues, and I think Vatek might be able to move the ball on them. But if Clemson blows this open early and goes up, and Vatek's four and five, and after what I saw in that second half against Pitt, it's going to be, what, like freezing cold here with, like, winds in Blacksburg, no fans. Like, are they just going to pack it in again? That's what scares me here. Uh, but from a number perspective, granted, I, I don't know who Vatek is. Me trying to set a number, I think there's value in the Hokies catching over three touchdowns here. Coming off of a bye, this is pretty much their Super Bowl. So I would assume you're going to get their best effort at least to start. They're going to bring a lot of pressure. They can get pressure on, on Lawrence. That's how they're going to have to get
2: stops. Uh, what are your thoughts here? Yeah, Well, the real Vatek please stand up, right? We've been uh... – Searching for that defense all year and, uh, you know, Justin Fuentes making changes to the scheme to adjust for who's been out for COVID. It's been a really tough year, uh, handicapping Virginia Tech. The total's starting to inch up now that weather concerns are like really not a factor. Like when I wrote the projection pieces uh, on on late Saturday night, uh, there was like snow and rain and wind forecasts everywhere. And Blacksburg was one of them. But it seems like that's all going to happen in the morning. And now that, you know, you see the totals start to edge up a little bit, now that those weather factors may not be a concern, it may just be cold. Uh, Clemson's 34th in tempo uh, with a broken rushing attack. I mean, they're 96 in ground explosiveness. What happened to Travis Etienne busting off? I mean, I know there's a lot of swing routes and a lot of him getting the ball, you know, through the passing game, but I don't know what has happened to this run game whatsoever because they have no bite to him at all. Um, you know, at a 46% rush ratio, it's, it's almost like Dabo. They've moved on to being a pass offense uh, more than usual, well below the national average for rush ratio, uh, which I think is at 54%. So they throw a
0: lot. Opportunity rate, for those that don't know what that is, it's a percentage of carries when four yards are available, that gain at least four yards. So, the, you know, the percentage of runs that basically are successful, do their job. Clemson, who has, everyone said, the clear number one back. Coming into the year was Travis Etienne and Clemson. Uh, I was like, why didn't he go pro? We know how talented he is. Clemson, 92nd in opportunity rate, 74th in line yards. So there's, there's some
2: offensive line run blocking issues here. Yeah, big time, which is uh, a little bit shocking considering the, the talent that they have in the two deep on the offensive line. It's uh, a little mesmerizing. Uh, definitely something to watch, especially when they get into the college football playoff. But I mean, like Clark Lee – uh, if he's still around during the playoff, or I mean, I don't know if Clemson, how many times Clemson and Notre Dame are going to play each other this year, but it's definitely something to watch when they play a defense like Notre Dame. There's a huge uh, mismatch here in, in finishing drives. Clemson's offense is top 25, Virginia Tech's defense is outside the top 100. So expect Clemson when they get close to always score touchdowns. But Trevor Lawrence is going to dice up this secondary. They're 76th in coverage, they're 89th in defensive passing success rate. It's going to be Amari Rodgers on short routes. It's going to be Travis Etienne on swing. And Cornell Powell, who's now got like three 100-yard games in a row here, Uh, he's become the new threat uh, that uh, Clemson quarterbacks are comfortable with. And I think the question is here is can Virginia Tech hang? Because, I mean, I project this like a touchdown lower. Uh, This number was a little bit shocking to me. I wondered if there were COVID issues with Virginia Tech, which I can't find. If Khalil Herbert can get the ground going, and Hendon Hooker can do his work because Herbert's having success, Virginia Tech can cover this game. The Clemson defense is 85th against rush explosiveness. That just calls for Herbert. That calls for him to have busted plays. Uh, This is a stout run defense, and they're really good against the rush, but there's been gaps against dynamic runners. Think of Kyron Williams of Notre Dame. He went for 140 yards. He had three TDs. He had a long of 65. Syracuse's Nakeem Johnson had a 61-yard run. Herbert can run a busted play against this team. Now, Virginia Tech will do their part to get their points. I really do think they're going to do their part to get their points. Do they cover the three touchdown? I think they do. Not as confident as I am in the fact that Virginia Tech will contribute to the score. I think over is the only way to play here. Does Virginia Tech have pride? And if they do – and look, they've been so banged up. They've had
0: COVID issues. They just got embarrassed. Now, this is their Super Bowl. They're not going anywhere else this year. They've had two weeks to prepare for this game. Do they, so are they a little bit healthier? Yes. Hooker's even been banged up, you know, all year. They, it, it just – it could get away from them, and then I'm not sure that they're in it. But from a numbers perspective, I'm probably going to have some bot tech. I, I have to. But I, I don't feel that confident about it. But no. uh, I think this, this line, just from my numbers, should be closer to
2: two touchdowns than three we waited three weeks for Hendon Hooker to play, right? We got word that he was, and then he didn't. We had a Khalil Herbert hamstring issue pop up. And then we've got just busloads of players showing up to play defense. I mean, it's, it's been, Virginia Tech has been just one of the toughest handicaps each week this year. Yep. I completely agree.
1: The NFL season is upon us and our friends at bet MGM sports are offering action network podcast listeners, a great sign-up offer. Just make your first deposit using the bonus code ACTIONPOD and receive a 100% deposit match up to $500. They've got parlay bonus payouts, live betting markets, daily odds boosts, all sorts of great stuff. So download the BetMGM app today or visit BetMGM.com to sign up and use the code ACTIONPOD to double your bankroll with a 100% deposit match up to $500. As a reminder, you must be 21 or older and physically located in the great states of Colorado, Indiana, New Jersey, Nevada, or West Virginia. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado and Nevada, 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey and West Virginia, or 1-800-9WITH-IT in Indiana. Promo offer not available in Nevada. And now, back to the show. Let's talk a
0: little AAC. And we have the Comeback Kings, Tulsa. I mean, every game they're down 20. I mean, why even cap this game? Just wait till they're down 20 and then live bet the shit out of them.
2: <laughs> that's all you really need to do. But, I mean, literally, I think there were four or five games this year where they've done that. Yeah, but that's not, that's not the handicap. The handicap is if Davis Bren, the third-string quarterback, is coming in in the middle of the game. That's the handicap. As right now at BetMGM, Tulsa's a 12-point favorite at
0: Navy over under 48-and-a-half. Look, Tulsa's defense is really good up front. They're really good against the run. They have, you know, Jackson players been awesome up front. And then David Collins, one of the best linebackers in college football. But I have to bring this up. Look, and this might be a bad situational spot for Tulsa, although they can clinch the AAC championship with a win. I believe if they lose, there's still a chance that they could not get to the championship. Um, But I have to bring this up. Is there, the way that Tulsa plays it's three, three, five from what I've looked at in the past. Now they're a lot better up front than they have been. They've been absolutely destroyed by Navy in the past. Now let me just, yeah. I mean, if Navy is one now this Navy offense stinks. Let's just throw that out there. But here's the last, uh, we'll go, I mean, we'll go back to 2015, Navy won 44-21 next year. Four, Navy won 42-40. 2017, 31-21. Next year, Navy won – 2018 when Tulsa switched to three-three-five. Navy won 37-29. Last year, Navy won 45-17. So they've won five straight, and they've averaged 40-ish points per game. I think the Tulsa's run defense is a lot better than it has been in the past, but it's something to note in the Navy's rush offense. Obviously, there's no Malcolm Perry anymore. It's a lot worse. So my first look here is at the under, you know, you might get the third string quarterback who looked like maybe he was the best quarterback for Tulsa, but Navy will try to grind the clock. And, but these Navy results in the past have scared me. You also could get a flat Tulsa team. Their offense has just come out horrendous. Every, every game, the start, the first half, their offense is discombobulated. Uh, Maybe it's different with Bryn and not Zach Smith, but we'll see.
2: What do you see here? Yeah, well, I think the good news is for everybody that's listened to the podcast for a really long time, I'm not going to tell you to take an under.
1: Yeah, rock yeah! and load! rock and
2: roll. I'm not going to tell you to take an under because a couple of years in a row, I've said take an under here, and I believe two years ago, Navy and Tulsa had that over after in the middle of the second quarter. So. Good news is I'm not going to tell you that now. There are terrible weather conditions here, and and I also told you about the Navy history. Yes, yeah. So that that's the good news. I'm not, there's no total here for me, but uh, you know the, there is terrible weather forecasted at uh, Navy-Marine Corps Memorial Stadium. Mid 40 degrees, 25 percent precip, 20 plus mile an hour winds, all blowing into one end zone. Uh, really, more affects the kicking game. Navy's not going to try to throw the ball. At least I don't think they're going to try to throw the ball at any point, especially against Zayvon Collins because it is Zayvon Collins-type weather. Uh, The Golden Hurricane are 10th in defensive rushing success rate. They're 26th in line yards and stuff rate, which means they're going to be able to stop the triple option. I mean, Malcolm Perry's not there anymore. Malcolm, That ship has sailed. Uh, And and Navy just does not have the dynamic uh, quarterback to run that triple option anymore. And it's hard to imagine a Navy offense that runs like 80% of the time to be able to do anything against this defense. But there is one stat in there, which is Tulsa's 64th, against, defensively, against rush explosiveness. Uh, so teams, I can think of a couple two-lane runs right off the top of my head. Teams have been able, even though they've been stopped, remember the difference between success rate and explosiveness. If you're hearing all these terms, success rate is the ability, like, get you off the field and not move the chains, right? A lot of three and outs. Well, that Tulsa's really good at that, but there can be busted plays, and that's the explosiveness factor. And Tulsa has allowed chunk yardage on the ground. Now, Zach Smith is expected back at quarterback which may be a good thing, uh, you know, for – I mean, people will remember that Davis Brin came in as a third-string quarterback over Seth Boomer. Uh, he got hurt, too, in that game against Tulane. Uh, so we'll see how that goes for Zach Smith. But with the weather and everything, I, I'm, I'm wondering how limited they're going to be in passing down situations. Tulsa's going to try to keep this a fast pace. They're 25th in seconds per play. But, it, you know, their offensive success rate is, is just so hot and cold. I mean, they'll go three quarters without scoring, and then they'll put 20 up on the board – uh, you know, if Tulsa covers, I believe it's because they got a defensive score. Maybe another Zayvon Collins defensive score. Double digits to me is a lot in a bad weather game where Navy is going to, you know, they have one of the slowest paces in the nation, 114th in seconds per play. I think it's an extreme amount of points considering the weather and the pace that Navy wants to dictate. There's no actionable item. I mean, I make it 11 and a half and it's sitting at a dead, a dead number of 12. So until I see like a 13, or if I think Navy's going to fall down to 11, I do want to bet Navy here, uh, but I'm not going to make any decisions on 12. I would much rather have it if I can get a 13. I think it's going to be slow. It's going to be ugly. It's going to be gross. And that Navy-Memphis game last week, uh, who would have guessed that Memphis beat them 10-7? to So maybe Navy's figured something out defensively. Uh, Nothing I can see from the box score says that they did, but they did limit a decent Memphis offense to 10 points. You know, scored seven themselves. So, I'm not going to tell everybody about the under. I'm not going to get us trouble three years in a row. But I do like Navy in these double-digit points.
0: In the Navy, yes, you put your money. In the Navy, can't we uh, All right, let's move on. I want to do some rapid fire in the Big 12. Um, as of right now, in the Big 12, Iowa State is seven and one. They're going to clinch if they beat West Virginia. They will most likely be in regardless. So then you have Oklahoma and Oklahoma State at five and two apiece, but Oklahoma beat Oklahoma State. So it's looking like it's going to be Iowa State, Oklahoma. You know, if Oklahoma wins this week. Yeah, West Virginia could play a big role here because they play Iowa State, and they're four and three right now. They play Iowa State this week and they play Oklahoma next week so they could still get there if they went out right and they beat oklahoma i don't know it's a mess but we do know that if oklahoma and iowa state went out that they're going to be playing in the big 12 championship but there's a, a couple games here kansas state is a seven point home dog narrative street is texas lays an egg here on the road after that heartbreaking loss kansas I, i'm not betting the under even though i see value in it they'll give up We'll get to that game later in, in Price is Right. You have Oklahoma State's a one-and-a-half-point favorite at TCU. That feels trappy. There's a lot of, like, narrative Then you have West Virginia's down to a six-point underdog at Iowa State. And then you have Oklahoma's over a three-touchdown favorite at Baylor. What catches your eye in the Big 12?
2: Well, I think I'm, I kind of focus on, you know, the two teams that are supposed to make it to the Big 12 championship. And West Virginia has covered every game at home, but they've only covered one game on the road. So they're going to Iowa State and – It's interesting that, you know, Iowa State, the the spread is, you know, I make it five and a half, it's at six, six and a half. Uh, All that's on their mind is to win this game. Win this game, you have one loss, and you're making your way to the Big 12 championship. This is going to be a really tough game for Iowa State. One area of concern, though, is that West Virginia is 62nd in defensive rush EPA, which means they're not good at stopping explosive runs. That's where Brees Hall comes in. Brees Hall has averaged nine yards a carry versus Kansas State. 8.8 versus Kansas, 9.3 yards per carry against Oklahoma State. Hall has a touchdown in every game for the Cyclones this year, 16 total. And I think that is what the difference in the game is. But I feel like it's going to be more like the Iowa State-Texas game where we're going to come down to Dicker the kicker at the end, missing that. Uh, It's a one-possession game. I don't really see anything in the side. I will say the advanced metrics keep telling me to bet this Iowa State team over because there's a lot of scoring opportunities and they have such a wide net uh, of yards per play. Uh, and so I will probably keep on betting overs on Iowa State. And hopefully some of these, you know, crossing the 40-yard line will turn into points. Now, West Virginia is a pretty good defense to stop that. But if Bristol wants to, you know, break some explosiveness, that would definitely help. Uh, so, you know, I'll be looking for the over there. As far as Oklahoma goes, the handicap remains the same. I mean, they're 5-0 and against the spread, their last five. They're, they're on a roll here. You have to get hands in Spencer Rattler's face. To slow him down a little bit but i think the handicap in this oklahoma game because i stared at that point spread forever and i thought shouldn't oklahoma roll baylor the same baylor team where dave aranda just got his first win they didn't cover last week he's like a five six point favorite they did win against kansas state last minute last second uh charlie brewer just hasn't gotten comfortable with any of his receivers last week he had um six of his receivers had at least like seven targets uh, so he hasn't really gotten that comfortable. I think the thing that's interesting here is that the Dave Aranda defense is getting a little bit better. And the one take that I can ha- come away from this, maybe a first half under, maybe a Baylor first half, maybe, you know, something of this, is that Aranda runs a defense, a 50-50 mix of a 2-4-5 and a 3-3-5. Lots of blitzing from the 2-4-5. And Spencer Rattler, he's not seen a 2-4-5 this year. No, there is no 2-4-5. The defense as Spencer Rattler has seen this year. 4 5 from Oklahoma State, TCU, and Kansas State. A 3-3-5 from Kansas, Texas Tech, Texas, and Iowa State. So what Arand is going to put on the field is something that Rattler has not seen. Now the problem is, is Baylor's not very good at, at, at getting pressure on the quarterback. Uh, but they are good in coverage. They're 36th in coverage. So... I'm looking for an under – six. I would love 63-ish here, but I kind of like the under in the Baylor-Oklahoma game, especially maybe in the first half, because this is a defense that Rattler just hasn't seen before. A lot of, a lot of the offenses have not seen what Aranda's bringing to the table. Any interest in fading Texas? Do you think they come out flat here? How much is, how much is Tom Herman? I mean, the, the Urban Meyer rumors are out of control. I heard a Dan Mullen story from a person that knows a booster – you know, I, I just hope I never hear Sam Pittman's name come under because, I mean, really, that's Texas needs a CEO to come in and just clean house and tell the boosters that everybody get their hands out of the cookie jar. I think Tom Herman's done. I mean, I'm hearing stories. I read a story that says we're not going to finish, you know, renovations to the stadium unless Tom Herman is done. Well, let me back up. I mean, we had guys in tears. That means we're headed in the right direction. So does that motivate Tom Herman to win this game, cover this spread, and 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 throw up the middle fingers to everybody as he you know takes his papers and walks out? I, I, I would prefer the Kansas State side in this. I think the number's a little bit too high. And I'm not going to back Tom Herman on the road as a touchdown favorite. As a favorite? No way.
0: Fair enough. All right, let's move on to the Big Ten. Uh, this was uh, supposed to be a big game, but it's – no longer one, but we'll talk about it here. Indiana is a fourteen and a half point underdog at Wisconsin. Wisconsin's played three games. Three games. Wow. And look, Wisconsin, they did this, they've done this before. They they blow out these bad teams around the air, Everyone gets excited about them and then they lay an egg. As they did against Northwestern. They only scored seven points. You know, then they had another game canceled. So wh- who is this Wisconsin team? I don't know. I, I, we've only had three games. It, it, Graham Burks looked past the eye test, and then you see what he did at Northwestern. Indiana, meanwhile, they can't run the ball. Penix couldn't throw it against Maryland the first half. Then he got hurt. He's out for the year. Now you have Tuttle, Utah transfer, is going to step in. Indiana can't really run the ball. Are they going to be able to throw it with a new quarterback? I, I don't know. Uh, Wisconsin's a dead snail. Questions about their offense. Although we do like their back that they've been giving it to uh, more recently. But they're laying – you want to really want to lay two touchdowns here with Wisconsin? Tough game, the handicap. What do you see here?
2: Yeah, well, Wisconsin is – I mean, Wisconsin is the only side to play here because Jack Tuttle takes over for Michael Penix, Jr. He had five passes, went five or five or 31 yards. Last year, I believe he went six for 11, 34 yards. So, you know, I, I bumped the power rating on Indiana, say, uh, five points or so. Uh, So the 14 really is, I think, the correct number. But Wisconsin is the only way to play, especially from a motivational perspective. You know that Barry Alvarez wants Wisconsin to play in a New Year's Six program, or I'm sorry, in a New Year's Six game. And to do that, you're probably going to need to have a statement win. And beating Indiana, the team that has done so many things all season, uh, beating them by a whole bunch, even though they don't have Michael Penix Jr., may be a statement win for them. Uh, Wisconsin's 11th in defensive havoc, their second in defensive finishing drives after just three games against Illinois, Michigan, and Northwestern. Those are not powerhouse offenses, but I think Jack, you know, Jack Tuttle's job is to not hand the ball, is to not allow any scooping scores, allow any pick sixes, you know, just kind of be a gatekeeper to the offense and don't do anything to screw up and put points up on the board. Wisconsin did have 13 quarterback hurries against Northwestern. So if I was, you know, wanting to back Indiana, I would keep that in mind, that Tuttle will be on the run. Tuttle will be under pressure. Uh, Wisconsin's ranked first in offensive rushing success rate. That's when we talk about Jalen Berger, who I absolutely love. He averaged 6.2 yards per carry against the Northwestern D. Uh, he – I don't know why they didn't hand the ball off more to the kid. Maybe he his load just can't take more than 14 carries per game. Uh, but he is definitely getting the, the, the necessary yardage every time, and he can take it to the house. Indiana's 10th in defensive havoc, uh, a big portion of that is 41 passes defensed. It's not really tackles for loss. It's not really stripping. It's passes defense. And what you see with Graham Mertz after that perfect game that he threw against Illinois, still looking good against Michigan, Wisconsin's passing success rate fell all the way to 77th after, the North, after Northwestern got done with Graham Mertz. And, you know, Indiana, the secondary, has been doing their job. But the question remains, can Indiana's defense keep this close through the entire game. I mean, they're the ones that are going to have to support this, and and I think the answer is no. Uh, I think Jalen Berger is going to break big runs. I think the Wisconsin D is going to rattle Jack Tuttle, uh, whose only job is to just not give up badger defensive scores. Wisconsin's the only way to play here.
0: All right. Uh, Conference USA, I'll just throw out there that I bet the Georgia Southern Florida Atlantic under. I love both run defenses. Hopefully there's not a ton of flukes late, as we've seen in Georgia Southern games. But I love both run defenses. Neither team can really throw it. Um, Leave voicemails. Womp, womp, under. Uh, we got to get to the Mac, though.
1: How beautiful is Maxion? How <laughs> beautiful is Maxion? Oh,
0: man. And in the Mac, I know you want to talk about – well, let's see. I'll throw out some lines here for you before we get to the marquee game of the day. I love Ball State. I love what I saw last week. They're plus one and a half at Ben at, at Central Michigan. Their defense is the defense I've been waiting for. I already love the offense. Uh, I think they get the win. I already played them. Uh, we have Buffalo. I wonder how many yards Jared Patterson will run for. 11 point favorites at Ohio. Is, there, is Buffalo overinflated here? Is my main question for you there. And then obviously the game of the weekend Bowling Green, 0 oh, 4 Bowling Green plus 2.5 at Akron minus 2.5, over under 57.5 you got to be kidding me. Now, this is peak Maction. It is. Peak Maction. I'm on the zips. I said before the year in my Mac manifesto, Bowling Green's the worst team in the conference. This is when Akron's losing streak will come to an end, their first win in three years. And uh, this, I think Bowling Green is miserable. I make this line... (laughs) Closer, you don't want to know, but I make this closer to six. That's how bad I have Bowling Green. <laughs> I've accrued a six-point favorite, which is outrageous. I know, but I I haven't bet Bowling Green once. I won't go near them with a twenty-foot pole. There, I mean, sixty-five percent of the roster is freshmen. So I mean, I'm and in the reason I have Bowling Green so low is because in this unprecedented year, they couldn't work. I mean, just all these freshmen short in spring and summer. I mean, I've it's really bad, but it's tough to laid points with Acker, but I did. And I wouldn't lay anything over a field goal. Uh, So I love the zips. I love Ball State. And I'm curious to know your thoughts on those games and whether or not you think Buffalo is fadable here.
2: Uh, I agree with you on Ball State. Uh, I actually need to hop on that. I think Ball State may end up being the favorite by the time we get to kick. I need to join you on that. I also want to get a little bit in on the under because both of these defenses are top 30 in finishing drives. These offenses for Ball State and Central Michigan, 103rd. And seventy-fifth in finishing drive. so there's a big advantage for the defenses here when their backs are pinned. You don't have to ask me twice to fade Central Michigan after what happened against Eastern Michigan. Uh, Buffalo and Ohio, listen, I, I, I don't know, I don't know how this goes under, right? I, I really don't. I mean, Amani Rogers is coming in and doing some running plays, and it's looked extremely explosive. They won't let him pass. Kid Rourke's doing all the passing. He looks fine in passing situations, but. Ohio is 40th in defending rush explosiveness. That's not good enough against Jared Patterson. They are 105th in line yards, which tells me all I need to know about Ohio. Jared Patterson's going to get there, and he's going second level yards. I don't know how this game stays under. Uh, I think Ohio can contribute. Uh, we'll see how that works out there. They are both slow. 124th, 106th in seconds per play. The explosive, the explosive play on the ground is going to be evident from both of them. But yeah, let's get to the Let's get to the, the, the meat here uh, of the max slate, the Bowling Green and Akron. And, you know, we both got Akron plays in early. Uh, I don't have to sit here and talk about it. If you just saw a film of McDonald's throwing motion, you would automatically bet Akron too. Uh, and it's funny, is like I think a lot of people are buying into trends. I mean, I hear I've, – I've heard other things outside of our action network bubbles. Bowling Green's covered 11 of 12 against Akron. That has no bearing on this game. You know, I mean, the reason why we bet Akron, we love Tion Dollard. He's got 20 avoided tackles on the season. He's an elusive machine, 3.8 yards per carry after contact. Now Dollard was shut down last week against you know a, a decent MAC Miami of Ohio uh, rush defense, and that was because of the offensive line. The offensive line couldn't get set. They were out of place. They didn't even know what play they were running. Tom Arth came out and his presser. Uh, and said, you know, give credit to the Redhawks, but we're our own worst enemy. We had pre-snap issues. We have huddle issues. We have offensive linemen that don't know how to put their hand on the ground. He, blamed, he really put a lot of it on the offensive line and that all the work was going to go on them. But let's just get down to it. The reason why I'm betting Akron over Bowling Green is because Akron is the more explosive offense. Listen, this team, these teams are terrible. These defenses are worst in the country. It's not even close. But Akron has the ability on the ground to run for explosive plays. That is all on Teon Dollard. They're going to ride him like a horse. And if this offensive line can just know what play when they leave the huddle and get down to the line of scrimmage and put their hand on the ground, if they just know what the play is, everything else will work itself out. I'm on Akron here because of Teon Dollard. I think the number is correct, though. I think I have it at three and a half. But, uh, yeah, I mean, Akron's just a more explosive team. That's all, that's all it comes down to. The Zips will end their losing streak on Saturday. I can't wait to watch
0: that game. It's probably not even on TV. I've probably got to stream it. Mountain West, I know you wanted to hit a game here. We have a tough game for me to cap in Fresno. They're 3-1 and one going to Reno to take on Nevada. Nevada's a seven-point favorite at BetMGM over under 50-and-F. I mean, Fresno's played nobody. Uh, they played Colorado State, who had the wrong quarterback in in the first game of the year. Uh, Nevada finally dropped the game at Hawaii last week. Hawaii took away dubs. They doubled them, and that really limited Nevada's offense. Uh, Any thoughts
2: here? Yeah, I mean, Fresno, I don't think that they can compete for the title for the conference because they've had a couple games canceled on them. Uh, I think that loss that they took in the opening game of the season was a direct result of what's going on in the state of California and the pandemic, and they were locked out of their facilities, and we have a new head coach who is going to be a great head coach at Fresno. We'll talk to you in 2021 about conference futures. But, you know, Nevada really disappointed against Hawaii. I mean, Hawaii was able to take advantage of them, and I think Fresno – Can do the same here. It's something I project at five and a half. I think you should definitely lock in and get the seven here. And as far as Hawaii goes, I mean, San Jose State is a bit overrated. Uh, We have kind of did a deep dive into the Starkle numbers and how he's gotten that passing attack going up against teams that haven't even won a game. I mean, they have like a combined record of like one and 13. So uh, I think Hawaii is the play here because really, can San Jose State's defense deal with Siobhan Cordero? with the fact that every play is either a designed run or a, you know, third down. He's been a third down magician last week uh, in that win against Nevada. So I like Hawaii on the island late. Hopefully we can all get it streaming. And then uh, definitely going to take Fresno here, uh, grab some seven. And um, I I would wait to have that number. I think there'll be steam on Nevada. There's been a lot of love for Nevada, uh, but I would get Fresno at seven.
0: And our weekly segment, you know that we couldn't, let Colin get out of Dodge without talking about his hogs. We are going to get, thank God, because who could have went a year without seeing Arkansas take on Missouri in football? Uh, we will see this game happen. It got canceled a while back. Missouri at BetMGM is a three-point favorite at home in Columbia over Arkansas over under fifty-one and a half. Look. take it away.
2: Woo, pig, Suey. Absolute dumpster fire, dumpster fire. I don't know how we win a game the rest of the year. Just blow the program up. Give us a death sentence.
0: Collins talking Razorback football.
2: Listen, guy, this is a rivalry game, all right? At least it's the battleground. It's the battleground rivalry. You don't know where the Mason-Dixon line is. It's in between Missouri and Arkansas, right? I I, I grew up next to Pea Ridge where they have a Civil War memorial. No, I mean, this is ridiculous. This is not a rivalry. Nobody in Arkansas thinks it's a rivalry. Nobody in Columbia thinks it's a rivalry. It's just hilarious to me that they prepped this thing up. Now, what this game actually is, is Barry Odom's chance to return to Columbia and get a little bit of revenge. And don't think that he is not spoon-feeding that to a defense all week, that this is a monster game. And these kids, nobody is playing harder in FBS football for their coaches than the Arkansas Razorbacks, who may have the worst power five talent. I'm thinking of Kansas. I'm thinking of our recruiting classes lately. I mean, not to, I love our guys. I'm not trying to throw them under the bus, but we are not SEC standards, but we are playing harder than anybody in the country for offensive coordinator, Kendall Bryles for defensive coordinator, Barry Odom, who I'm not really sure should have been let go as the coach of the Tigers. Uh, But this is purely a motivation. That's really the only way that you can play on Arkansas because mathematically their numbers are bad. I mean, Rakeem Boyd opted out of the season. Going to focus on the NFL draft. Arkansas is 118th in rush explosiveness, so you know we lose that aspect of it. But Felipe Franks, Arkansas's top 20 in passing success rate, and you know that that's something. He's been there in the second half, having drives downfield. I mean, as long as that Traylon Burks and, and Felipe Franks connection is still going, Arkansas's got a chance. Now let's talk about Missouri. 123rd defensively in finishing drives. Everybody scores touchdowns on Missouri. Everybody. And don't think for one second this defense is going to overperform. I love Arkansas here. I've already bet them my own money on three. I see two and a halves. I'd bet at two and a half. Uh, there's going to be a round-robin parlay put in place, and you better believe Arkansas is going to be involved because we're here for Coach Barry Odom to get his revenge on Columbia, Missouri. Shout right. out to Tree Pizza in Columbia. It's some of the best pizza I've ever had. All right. Well, there you heard
0: it here first. The pizza recommendation and a recommendation on Collins
1: Hogs. Hi, this is the producer, Matt Mitchell, jumping in very quickly. I am a graduate of the University of Missouri, and I feel compelled to point out three things. First, Missouri has won five of six meetings in this completely fabricated battle line rivalry series, winning by an average of 12 points. Second, Barry Odom was a shitty coach. We should have shit-canned him a long time ago at Missouri. Colin is in love with him for some reason. That totally escapes me. And I'm sure that we'll absolutely kick the shit out of him. On Saturday, and finally, only a man who was born in Arkansas and lives in Oklahoma could refer to mid-Missouri pizza as some of the best he's ever had. Anyway, back to the show.
0: Um, all right, let's before we get out of here, let's go three and out.
1: One, two,
2: three. Let's make it a quick three and out.
0: All right, first down here, we gotta go Friday night lights. Let's hear it, gentlemen. Clear eyes, full hearts. Let's go
2: play some football.
0: And it's only one game on Friday night, but it's not plural Friday night light. Friday night light. at Bet MGM, Appalachian State is a two and a half point favorite over Louisiana, who's ranked twenty-fifth or eight and one on the year. Over under 51 and a half I mean, the first thing I thought when we talk about this game is Appalachian State's dominance, head to head dominance. These teams have played eight times in their program's history. All eight have come since 2014, and App State has won all eight, including two last year and two the year before. Uh, They have owned Louisiana. Can Louisiana reverse course here and reverse history and finally get its win? What are your thoughts here?
2: Well, it's interesting because I was trying to find a motivational angle here, and App State can't catch Coastal and they can't catch Louisiana, and Louisiana is going to win their division. So, I mean, Louisiana, I think Louisiana has like a three-game lead over in their division. I mean, like they could lose this game twice, and it wouldn't matter in the standings. So, you know, Louisiana Coastal, that's your Sunbelt Championship game. So what is the meaning of this? If you look at this, it's going to be some really bad weather going on in Boone. We've got 45 uh, 45 degrees, 75% chance of precip, uh, a little bit of wind. Not a whole bunch. I've seen a, a Georgia Southern kicker kick it for 60 yards here with 40-mile-an-hour with wind, so wouldn't worry about that. But it is going to be wet. That favors teams that run the ball. Both these teams, heavy run. Louisiana is terrible in the trench. Eight, they're 108th in line yards, 118th in power success, 116th in stuff rate. On defense, App State's going to be able to run all day. Now, they're not an explosive group whatsoever on the ground, 67th, but neither is Louisiana. Louisiana is also top 25. I think this game at a field goal is lined correctly. I think the play really is the under. The weather is going to be terrible. I expect this game to be complete runs. Appalachian State is, is 22nd. In defensive finishing drives are fourth in tackling. Uh, it's an under game to me all the way. Comes down to a final field goal. Uh, I wish I could find a motivational angle because you're right. App-, App State beats Louisiana like a drum. Billy Napier just cannot get it figured out.
0: Yeah, that is true. Uh, we'll have a up on ActionNetwork.com and the Action Network app for this game. But it's time for our favorite Overdogs. Cue the Price is Right music. All right, let's start off first with... Middle Tennessee State had their game canceled, by the way. I uh, don't have to talk about them this week. It's the only time I get excited about a canceled game. But... Marshall 23 and a half point favorites 7 and 0 Marshall. No one's talking about Marshall. Number 21 Marshall, 23 and a half point favorites.
2: BYU wins. They should maybe play Marshall at home against Rice, who's only played 3 games this year. Is the price right? Yeah, the price is right here. I mean, Marshall's having a magical season. They're going undefeated in what is an anniversary season for, you know, the tragedy that happened at their program and don't think. And Rice is a little bit overrated. They're there's, uh, there's been some money on Rice this year, and it's failed every time. So, yeah, Marshall here all the way. Quadruple doink. Thank you. Uh, next game,
0: Notre Dame off that dominant win over North Carolina. 33-and-a-half point favorites over just the abysmal Orange. Syracuse is one in nine. Can't get out of its own way. I was like, all right, I'm going to get an inflated number on Notre Dame. I could fade them this week, and I looked at the schedule, and it was Syracuse. Notre Dame minus
2: 33-and-a-half. Is the price right? The price is right for Notre Dame. This is a Syracuse team that put all of their energy and everything that they had in their final home game for Dino and just couldn't get it done after taking a 20-yard sack and then spiking the ball on fourth down. I don't even know how that happened. The better bet is Notre Dame first half, get all those points on the board, take a seat. Uh, But, yeah, the price is right here for the Irish.
0: The only thing I'm worried about is just Notre Dame goes uber conservative. But even – that might be enough as they've they've shown in some games this year against inferior opponents. Oh boy. I don't even want to talk about this one. Sensitive subject to our podcast listeners. But Kansas twenty-seven point underdogs at Texas Tech. Uh we I don't okay, what do we just put down Kansas for giving up four to five defensive and special teams touchdowns every week? It's outrageous.
2: Is the price right? No, the the price isn't right. I think Kansas can actually cover this game. The fact that they put up points last week and contributed to the over Maybe they're finally starting to figure something out, uh, you know, with their with their uh, offensive coordinator, Dearman, who uh, wrote a book on RPO. In case you didn't know, uh, I think Kansas can cover this game. Uh, it's crazy. I, I feel like a, a something that just went over my body that I just said. I think Kansas can cover, but more importantly, I think you're missing the boat. I think there should be an over here, right? I can't bet the over because the first time I bet
0: the over, it just all these things are going to happen for the under. I can't bet this game. Texas Tech uh, is you,
2: sixth in the nation in pace. They're going to make this like a twenty possession game for each team.
0: I don't think that's a good thing for Kansas.
2: And lastly, we have Vanderbilt.
0: By the way, who cares if a female gets the special teams player of the week? People like I, people get I'm so upset about the dumbest things. Don't sweat the small stuff. Yeah, uh, v- Vanderbilt plus
2: thirty-five and a half at Georgia. 0-8 oh, Vanderbilt. Uh, is the price right? Listen, if you have opinions about social media, about Sarah Fall winning Player of the Week, why don't you just keep that shit to yourself? It's a fantastic, wonderful story. Take a walk with a mask on, all right? All right, so anyways, is the price right here? It was right, and then it steamed. Uh, I, I No... The price is maybe they wanted Derek Mason to leave. I think at 35 and a half, the price is wrong. I I think that's a little bit too much for Georgia. I haven't seen it from JT Daniels. I've been expecting to see what I saw at USC, and I'm still not seeing it. Is he getting better? Yes, but I don't think, I think this is way too fat. Uh, Vanderbilt thought that they needed to make this move before the last game of the season, which is just, you know, crazy. I don't know why you didn't wait until the end of the season. Very peculiar timing. But if it keeps the kids together and brings them together, maybe they can get some scores up here. Because trust me, everybody in the world saw that blanking by Missouri. Everybody's going to be on Georgia here. And I think at 35.5, 36, the price is wrong for Georgia. And you need to look at a Vanderbilt team that may come together now that their coach has been fired. All right, there you have it. That'll
0: wrap up our Prices Right segment. And before we get out of here, let's go third down. And our favorite Moneyline underdogs. Turning good weekends into great weekends. It's time for the Moneyline Parlay. I'm personally going with Boston College. They are plus four at UVA. Look, I love the way. looks. it Djurkovic and Bailey got hurt last week in their win over Louisville, but everything I read, they should be good to go. Virginia can get pressure on opposing quarterbacks. Djurkovic's numbers under pressure have been ridiculous. He's been so good this year. I think that they can expose this Virginia defense. I think this game is more of a coin flip now that Virginia might still be without their two starting safeties. Their heart and soul of the defense, their captain, their best defensive player, Snowden, he's out for the year. So, I mean, that's just a huge loss. And if you look at what Virginia's done, they've won three games in a row. But, you know, they beat Abilene Christian. Who cares? And when they beat Louisville, Louisville had – there are two best offensive players out and all a bunch of other players out, and they got out-gained by like 150 yards still, Virginia. I mean, Louisville averaged like eight yards per play in that game. So I haven't been that impressed with Virginia, and uh, I love where Halfley's taking this BC team. I think Jerkovich can do – or Yerkovich, however you want to call him. I think he can do work. Uh, I think it's more of a coin flip game. I'm taking Boston College. Go Eagles. What are you, what are you, who are you going with?
2: I like that. Uh, To me, I'm going to flip a coin here while we're recording a podcast, and it's either going to land Hawaii or it's going to land Auburn. And we're going to take Auburn. Uh, I'm going to stick – I love Hawaii. War Eagle. Going on down there. Not a big dog, so we're going to go with Auburn. War Eagle. Bo Nix season is in full effect for Colin Wilson this weekend.
0: Bo Nix season in full effect.
2: I believe that this is a really tough place for Texas A&M to play. They play better at home because they have a crowd. Gus has Jimbo's number. I do not like what I'm seeing out of Texas A&M's offense. I believe Seth Williams will return from the dead start catching balls. And, you know, Bo Nicks does have the ability to make you and I look like fools over the years and win some games where you and I say that Auburn's gone. Uh, I'm going to back War Eagle here. Uh, War Eagle, right? So Tigers, Auburn, uh, bring it home for us. Yeah, well, we had Bo Nix season against LSU.
0: Uh, Last year we called Bo Nix going down and overrated against Florida. I think this is a good spot to get back on Bo Nix season. So it's the Boston College Eagles and War Eagle. It's all about the Eagle on Saturday. That'll do it for us. It's time for us to do some final work on the card. Make sure you check out our Twitter feeds and the Action Network app at actionnetwork.com for just tons of college football content. Hopefully we can have uh, another winning weekend here. Colin, I hope you follow up your good weekend with another one. Uh, I will try to avoid not putting in Kansas under bets, <laughs> by the way. If uh, if you haven't already, please go subscribe, unsubscribe, subscribe again, tell a friend, tell an enemy, leave a review. I'll be doing giveaways on the next show. Uh, leave a five-star review why you like the show. Uh, that really helps us out in the rankings and overall, so we appreciate all listening and doing that it's time for us to get out of here we'll catch y'all later cheers
2: peace out
1: we're finished talking